Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whatever the fuck it is for you. For me, it's actually 1222, A. Um, welcome back to the Faces Podcast. I'm sitting on my couch. My hair isn't brushed. I have my tortilla blanket on, fuzzy socks, pajamas, and iced coffee with my oat milk. And I'm chilling, okay? this morning and today has honestly been such a good day so far I woke up around like 8 45 got out of bed finally at like 9 15 and um I think I wanted to talk about being alive <laughs> okay and what that really means for us And um, implementing it more in our daily life and not just in survival mode. And I think the thing I really want to touch on is the mind and what role the mind plays and whether or not we truly feel as though we're living and um, how we take little steps every day to, you know, fix it if we're not. Today I also want to talk about astral worlds and my experience being there my opinions on the situation and I already tried to record this and I felt myself coming at it in from such a defensive angle and I just think that I have no reason to be defensive and I honestly I have no I'm just gonna I'm going to cover it, and I'm not going to have any shame, but I'm also, I do carry a lot of grief, and it is very heavy, I think, for the people who were there and who came out of it. I think it's a really heavy situation, whether, you know, they were in the middle of it or not. I think the whole situation is heavy, and, um... It definitely deserves to be talked about. I think that... I think a lot of things, and we'll get into it. But for now, I want to talk about what it... Why we so easily waste away this precious life. And how it gets so out of hand. And how hard it is to obtain it again, this like this will to live and this true sense of belonging and like you deserve it you know um I think I also want to talk about shame and judgment and self-awareness and humility and the difference between those things I'll start there because I think that also has a huge role in my perception of the astral world tragedy and it just it plays a huge part in why I feel so defensive I think so I'll start there um I think we all know that there's judgment in this world and the thing is is that judgment isn't inherently bad it's what you turn judgment into right I think we even I do it. I assume judgment is a bad thing, but we make judgments every day. 
I make a judgment on whether or not to go at a red, at a blinking yellow light, like, every, every day. And I think, so, I mean, that's obviously very mundane, but, um, I think what judgment, the two, the two things that I think judgment can turn into, the two main pillars, at least, it can either turn into, you know, self-awareness and, like, a self-evaluation, um, kind of like, why am I, why am I, and it can turn into a question, or it can turn into envy, and I think more often times than not, it turns into envy, and sometimes we don't even realize it does, sometimes it's just second nature, and I think breaking that habit is crucial, because I think, I mean, we've all heard the term or the slogan or whatever the fuck it's, the quote that um, comparison is the thief of joy, some shit like that. And um, I think that's truly, I mean, that's so true in so many ways. But the day after Astroworld, we were at this family function and I had felt judgment and I mean we I was it filled the room and I knew it and I think that it filled many rooms and I think what I had to do in that moment is I sat there instead of judging people back and being like why like what's wrong with you that you have to you know instead of doing their inner work for them right and being like well you're only judging me because of xyz i sat there with humility and i think the difference between humility and shame is shame is taking others judgment and putting it casting it on yourself in this like i have to be better way i i'm like i'm less than and they know it and so therefore i believe it humility is like i don't think i'm doing anything wrong right now if i am whoopsie if i am we'll we'll visit it but i don't think i am so i'm having a good time whatever think what you will and i think i needed to touch on it because i had this revelation and i was like it is such a noteworthy difference and it is such a I mean, the two get jumbled and mixed together and confused all the time. And I think shame has no value. No, no um, beneficial value, I think. It's not an asset to anyone. I think the difference between humility and shame is shame is completely self-destructive. Shame isn't looking at yourself from this um, witness point of view. And like, uh, and humility is. Humility is this self-aware way to look at yourself as in like almost an outer body experience. And be like, I, maybe I did do that wrong. Maybe I shouldn't do it this way next time because X, Y, Z. Because I don't feel as though I should have done it that way because I feel icky about the way I handled it. Shame is like, 
this place of no inner knowing and only looking at yourself from an outsider's point of view. It's not a witnessing from your own higher self. It's this witnessing from everyone else's judgment, everyone else's eyes. And that does no good. That does you literally no good. Because at the end of the day, if you truly, truly think about it, you will never have anyone else's perspective other than your own. Ever. No matter how hard you try to fit in the other person's shoes and to think how someone else would, it's still through your eyes. So you might as well get comfortable with your view of yourself. Because that's the only one you'll ever have. Ever. Truly. And the more we like run around chasing and finding these new ways that people perceive us, it's like, for what? At the end of the day, all you really have is your view of yourself. Is your reckoning. Is your inner knowing is your witnessing so like get comfortable with it right um yeah that was like my epiphany and it's really changed the way I go about things I think I used to in those rooms where I would feel the energy I would like I could feel the envy I could feel the stickiness of the room I used to engage in it and take it in and now spew it out spew more out into the room in my own way and instead of having a humility point of view where it's like maybe I am not doing exactly what they would want me to do right now and that's really not my responsibility right so I'm dancing I'm laughing I'm having fun I'm being loud it is what it is like I don't know I'm acting authentically, and that's all I can really do. I think I used to take that judgment, fill it in myself, feel some shame, feel bad for, like, making other people uncomfortable with myself. And so I would fill with that judgment, and then I would spew it out into the room with my perspective on it now just judging them for judging me and it did no good it just filled the room more it didn't take anything it didn't lighten the mood at all for me at least it just filled the room 10 times more and so it's a it's something i'm working on i don't think i'll ever be able to pass old white men who stare at me and not stare at them back with the most just fucking (laughs) hatred (laughs) I don't think I I hopefully one day will get to a place where I can do that but sometimes actually every time I have this fucking burning just ugh, ugh I have this burning sensation in my brain and I just want to transfer it to them for staring at me Like, how dare you think you get to do that? Anyway, maybe one day I won't have to do that. We'll see. I'll let you know if it ever happens. But um, I digress. And I want to move on to the mind. And I want to move on to truly living. And I think it's almost risky to put these two topics together. 
right? I, I heard it as soon as it came out of my mouth in the beginning of the episode. I'm talking about living and I'm talking about the astral world tragedy. And I think they're so similar that they sound weird together. And it just, I don't know. Maybe I'll explain it. I don't know if I'd be able to do it adequately. So I'm just going to leave it at that for now. But I've been doing a lot of reflecting the past few days. I left my job at Starbucks. It's where I worked for three years collectively. I worked there for my whole adolescence. I met so many people that are still in my life today from that job and I just I yesterday was my last day it's the last time I'll ever do anything there and it seems so dramatic to think that I genuinely sat in my car and cried about it and talked to myself about it on the way home and allowed myself the space to grieve because I even felt silly in the moment I was like are you really crying over this you know how many times you complained about this job, X, Y, Z? But I truly did grow up there. It's where I learned how to work for myself and make decent money for the first time. I met so many incredible people there. And like I said, I, I literally spent my whole adolescence working for Starbucks. So instead of shutting myself down about it, instead of doing what most people would do and be like, are you seriously crying right now? I let myself grieve this place that I went and I visited for so many hours of my life. I dedicated so much of my time to this workplace and I spent so long there, had so many like emotional breakdowns and epiphanies and everything in between at that place. And it hit me when I was walking out the door, I was holding all my shit and everyone who I just moved to another store and so I knew these people for a couple months, and I'd hugged everyone, and I left, and they were saying, like, it was a pleasure to work with you, good luck, yada, yada, yada. And it hit me like a fucking brick door, and most people, when they leave a job that causes them a lot of fucking anxiety and panic and whatever, I had this inkling to turn around and, like, flip off Starbucks, and I knew that wasn't what I felt. So many people that have also left that job felt that way. But for me, all I wanted to do was, like, give a little peace sign or a heart because it was such a prevalent thing in my life for so long. And it didn't it didn't do me a whole lot of wrong. I'm also turning 20 soon in about a month. And it is crazy to think that like I won't be a teenager anymore and like the ride that I've been on most people have a crazy have crazy teenage years but I have lived so much life in, in these years and I just it's a lot to reckon with I've I could have taken so many paths and just being utterly grateful for the one that I'm on and for the one that I was guided to and I just things could have gone so differently and I'm grateful for my inner knowing, I'm grateful for my guides, and I'm grateful for myself and everyone who got me here, and all the lessons I learned from everyone in my life, and all the reckoning I had to do within myself, 
to get me here. So there's been a lot of reflection these past couple days for me. And I was thinking mainly about like the, the ways that I feel the most alive and when I don't feel the most alive. And for me, and for most, I think where we go wrong collectively is we let our mind take over. And there's this song that I highly, highly recommend you listen to, and it's called Overthinker. (coughs) It's by a DJ called... Shit, I literally just listened to it. I know what the cover looks like and everything, but I just couldn't tell you the name. Overthinker by Enzo. And it has this man speaking in the beginning, and it's like the main thing that I want to point out that he says is that the mind is a great servant, but a terrible master. And I think that is so, so fucking key to life. The mind is a great servant, truly, a horrible master. I think when we allow our mind to take over is when we have anxiety. It's then when it we get, now we're depressed and now we have no idea what living even feels like because we don't even want to. And I think what, when I was talking on the EDC episode about the breathing and how everything in my mind would just go away, anything that I was worried about, any anxieties I was having, any trouble would all be in my mind. And when I would take that two, two minutes, not even, to just ground myself, I think a lot of therapists what they'll tell people to do for anxiety and so on is come back to your five senses. What can you see? What can you touch? What can you smell? What can you feel? Etc. And it's roundabout. That's grounding. It's taking you from up here in your mind and taking you back down to earth. And it's physically you are now when you say, hey brain, what am I looking at? tell me hey brain what am i feeling tell me hey brain what do you smell tell me you are now the master of your mind in that moment even if it only lasts for five seconds you are now the master and that's why it works is because you you use your brain for what it's there for is to tell you what you need it to do or to tell you what you need it to hey brain what can i see what can i smell hey brain we're gonna take a deep breath and you're gonna shut the fuck up whatever it looks like however stern you have to be sometimes your brain has been your master for 45 years so you're probably gonna have to be pretty stern Because it's these neural pathways that are just set in stone at this point. And it's, it's a practice. It's a, it's something that you align with every day. 
to get to the point where you are now the master of your brain. It's not something that happens overnight. It's called mastering. It's not it's not a snap of the fingers. It's not an easy one, two, three. When you go from being the servant of your mind to the master, it takes time. I'm I'm not the master of my mind. I'm in no way the master of my mind, but I am I'm a hell of a lot closer than what I was. And I mean they it's literally mastery. It takes a lo- it takes a while. It takes practice. It takes hours. It takes time. And when we don't put in that time, the mind will always be the master. The mind has already learned how to do it. It's already in the neural pathways. It's just going to continue. It's not going to set out for change. It has to be you. It has to be you in this witnessing point of yourself. It has to be this you that's deep within your body that has nothing to really do with the mind. When we can identify those two things as two separate entities is when we're, when, we're, when we're on the right path. And when we can decide that we are bigger than our mind, then, we are, then we're right on the money. So I think for me, when I truly live is when I can do that. When I'm changing neural pathways, when I'm constantly redirecting my brain when I feel myself start to just follow what my brain wants me to do and when I say hey brain do this instead it's not really the brain's fault it's not really your mind's fault because like I said we don't humans don't set out for change the mind doesn't set out for change it's the soul part of us that is so much bigger than the mind and it is so much greater and more powerful and it has this you know it's the difference between like a book smart and a street smart you know the soul is like our street smarts it's our universal just forever an infinite knowing and the mind is like this scientific human present day understanding And I think if the mind takes over and you only have today's understanding, you're fucked. We're fucked if collectively that's all we have. I envision it as like walking around head heavy. Where it's like my feet aren't even touching the floor. I'm walking. I'm going places. But I don't even realize my feet are touching the floor because I'm so in my fucking brain that I'm head heavy and it feels like just heads floating is what it looks like and the image that I get when I think of collectively people just walking around constantly thinking and never grounding themselves never taking two minutes to sit in grass to breathe in a deep fucking breath to dance to laugh to to do these things that make you feel alive. Instead, we watch the news and we live in fear and we think about the fear. And then we go to work and we think about work and we think about the fear and then we go home and we think about the chores and we do the chores and we think about the sleep and then we go to sleep and we do it again. 
and I think it's a it's a sham it's a sham and it's a shame and I'm in no way judging you if this is you because it's me too and I just think that the more we talk about it the less power it has over us the more we're aware the more we can change it the less of a servant we are the more of a master we become and that's what I'm taking into my 20s I get so emotional thinking about it because like I said it could have gone anyway and it could have taken me years and years and years and years and I could have gone through I could have tried religions I could have tried more booze I could have tried more sex I could have tried anything I could have gone on any other path and I stumbled on this one and I'm just filled with gratitude that I found this knowledge in myself that I came into contact with this inner knowing in time for my 20s and I'm just like you see those like Pinterest things that like are cliche and in your 20s do this and whatever and that's I mean that's I mean all I want to do is not be this head heavy mentally filled young adult I just want to be so grounded in the earth and in my knowing and in my wisdom and be truly the master of my mind and it's not fucking easy but it gets easier this morning I got up told you I got up at like 8.45, didn't get up out of bed until like 9.15. Because when I got up, I saw my phone, I turned off my alarms because my alarm was set for 9 o'clock, I turned that off, I sat there for like 5 minutes, and then I got back on my phone, and my brain, I'm not even kidding you, without even thinking, like muscle memory, I went to like my social media tab, my social media little file folder on my phone, And I watched myself from this bird's eye view. I watched myself do it. And I said, brain, if we're going anywhere, we're going to Pinterest. Because it's so much less, so much less mental strain if we just go to Pinterest. So then I scrolled on Pinterest for like 15, 20 minutes. Finally got out of bed. Left my phone behind. Went outside sat in a hammock, took my tortilla blanket, and that's where I did most of my reflecting this morning. Took my shoes off and walked in the grass and just let myself be woo-woo for 20 minutes, and it was fucking great. It was fucking great. Came inside, listened to that overthinker song, which I highly, highly recommend you do with headphones, please. Do it alone so you can dance and feel the fucking music, and breathe into it, and listen to those fucking words, god, I sound so, I don't actually care what I sound like, if you do it, you'll see why I'm asking you to do it, that's all I'm gonna say, we're gonna go on a quick break, and then I will come back to talk about my experience, 
at Astro World Festival 2021. Welcome back. Um, let's just get right into it. I want to start off by saying that the most important thing to come out of all of this is the thoughts and the energy and the the prayers, if you will, the, the thoughts that we send to the families. And I mean, when I think of families, I also think of I think family, I think wives, husbands, kids, friends, like co-workers. I think of everyone in people's lives, but the the people of the eight that died at Astroworld. I think that's the most important thing that all of us should do is take five seconds even. To hold space for these people who will never see those people again from this concert essentially that's that's the real issue here that's what really should be thought about and hope for the space for grief and anger and sadness and everything that those families are going to face and for the hope that they come out eventually with joy and love and a hole in their heart that's a little smaller and also their ability to enjoy music again to enjoy concerts again to enjoy those things I think is also big so that's I just wanted to get that out of the way because it's the most noteworthy thing to talk about when we talk about what happened at Astroworld I think it's still hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that I was there like I think about that and I'm like that is so insane like I I'm serious my friend from work he came up to me and he was like you were at Astroworld right but you were at a different one I literally I was like I mean essentially kind of I mean there is only I let him know that there's only one and I was at that Astroworld um but I lived like a completely different experience and it's just so so like crazy still me and my girlfriend will sit there and be like I cannot believe that we were there we were literally there that's like the one of the biggest shocks for us is still reckoning with the fact that we were there anyway from the beginning um we just kind of decided literally this was on a whim we decided in less than a week that we would go and we went we um it was just us and that was it we 
drove into Houston, no biggie, got a hotel, showing up to the festival the first day, we weren't the bum rush type of people who were going to get there at the very beginning, um, wasn't our case, we only saw, I think we saw little baby SZA, and of course Travis Scott, and so we weren't a part of any bum-rushing gates or shit like that. We walked through, like, civilized people with our vaccination cards and our wristbands, and it was fine and dandy. And we were still ready to rage, nonetheless. So, we get in. We, I mean, we didn't really, we got a drink, I think, and then we went to Little Baby, and honestly... It was lots of fun. I knew a lot more little baby songs than I thought I did. Did I just say little baby? I did. I did. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> anyway, I really was just trying to get closer so that I could see SZA. And I did end up getting on the gate. And I'm like, it's one of the highlights. But, um, anywho, I knew a lot more songs than I did. Little Baby is when I found out what a mosh pit was. It's when I saw one. And I was around one. And I did not like it. I did not like it at all. I, but I became familiar. Nonetheless. And I remember literally sticking out my elbow. Because I was like, bitch. I don't, I don't care what y'all are doing. But I have nowhere to go. Okay? So, you're gonna run into me, and that's okay. And if you do, you'll get fucking neck. You'll get elbowed to the fucking neck. I don't care. Because this elbow's staying right here. So mosh pit away, but mosh pit away from me, babe. Because I can't handle it. I learned that I'm not a fan. Okay? And, so, and like, some people would say, well, just, then just walk away from it. Well, sometimes you can't, bitch. Anyway. Sauce is a, it was great. She has so much personality and like she's bubbly and fun loving and I was like so intrigued by her, mesmerized and she made me feel ooey gooey and I was like, you are the baddest bitch ever and it was so cute. She was like telling us how she was a little bit insecure that if we would even like watch her and I was like, bitch, you're the main reason I'm here. It was like a whole thing, and I loved every minute of it. <clears throat> then it was like, I mean, Metro Boomin or some shit. He came. We went to the restroom because the speakers weren't loud enough. We couldn't hear him. It was shit. And um, got another drink. And this is when we kind of... We truly... This is when we made like a life-or-death decision... To be blatantly honest with you, we got a drink and we decided we would stay behind the screens. So if you don't know what the stage was set up like, um, it's basically fences on the side, which is one of the worst places you can go because people, you can get them to move a little bit. Fences, you can't get that shit to move. So... I mean, it was bad planning from A to Z, and you're probably going to hear me say that a lot. I don't think, and we'll get into my opinions on Travis and all the, whether or not he should be canceled, whatever. 
But what I will say through this whole thing is it was A to Z not not planned right. From A to Z. Starting with the lineup and the fact that it was only Travis playing at this time. There wasn't anyone on the other stage just as big as him. So everyone was here at this one stage. The way the stage was designed to where there was stuff behind us, fences on the sides, the fact that there was bum rushing and there wasn't, who knows if there was actually 50,000 people. Who knows if the people who bum rushed actually had fucking, actually had wristbands. We'll never fucking know. We'll never know the exact amount of people. So not, like, fixing that and having something in place for that. You know, the fact that Travis encourages that is another thing. Um, we'll just, whatever. So we made that decision that we were going to stay in the back. We didn't really care to be at the front. And looking back now, I've never been more grateful for a decision in my whole life. Like, I, I mean, it was just a real a really good thing that we didn't decide to try and get into the front. And as we warmed our way up a little bit, we realized there was actually, even if we wanted to get to the front, right, by the time Travis did come out, there was just absolutely no way we were going to make it to the front between the mosh pits, between just the amount of people there was no way we were going to be able to fight through a crowd. And I I say all of this with the knowledge of being at ADC less than a month from being at Astroworld. And EDC, if you don't know what it is, I think I explained it in the last episode, but there was 300,000 people there over the course of three days. There's so many stages, zero deaths. You know, it's crowded and... There's so many people still and whatever, but it's still, it's still enjoyable, okay? Once we got even remotely close to the screens towards the back of the stage, there was just, I mean, there was no room to go. There was no place to go, none, no room. I was touching Suzette to my side, my girlfriend, the person to the front of me, the person to the left to me, and the person behind me. I was touching everyone. We were all jumping up and down, and, like, that was just that was just what it was. Like, by the time, I would say by the time Drake came out is when I was literally touching everyone beside me, around me. I like everyone. My experience, I feel guilt um, saying that I had fun, I do, it's, like, one of the heavier aspects of all of this, is that I have videos, and I'm genuinely enjoying myself, and I, it was one of those moments where I made my mind a servant, and I became my mind's master, and I just, I just allowed myself to breathe as big breaths as I could, dance, jump, and looking back, I'm just so grateful that that was my experience because 
pockets of people, what, like a hundred feet away from me, were screaming for help, were being trampled, were losing their life, literally. All around me were, like, all around the mass crowd of people were medics, like, probably having so much anxiety, trying to get through this impossible crowd, trying to get fucking dancers off their fucking ambulance go-karts and, and immoral shit like that. They didn't have, I read something where someone passed out, her friend got her crowd surfed out of the crowd in to to a medic got her back there she woke up she was actually an icu nurse she starts helping and she tells the story of them having one ampu bag for these 10 bodies give or take i don't and i'm like not only were the people in the crowd just utterly stressed and gasping for air it was utter chaos all around me too like from workers and like medics and staff like knowing that behind me a hundred feet like in front of me a hundred feet people were dying and behind me a hundred feet people were dying and trying to help people like it just it I live with a lot of guilt in that sense that in my bubble and in that world I was living in nothing was wrong and I um but I think that my experience is completely valid too and so it's hard I think that I bring a perspective to this story that is highly noteworthy when we talk about the cancellation and whose fault it is and what actually happened and you see videos surface of like and like testimonies that he'd never stopped the show and it just kept going and whatever and the whole crowd was screaming stop the show and I think my experience goes to show that like that that was that's not true I didn't hear anything besides music. And that's hard. Like, that's a hard pill to swallow. And that's not something that's cool. And, like, I wish that wasn't the case. I wish they were heard. But when it comes to, like, whose fault and, like, all of that, I think it's highly noteworthy that I didn't hear anything but music. I didn't see anything but music and stage and lights and heads and phones, frankly. So, I think that's a hard pill to swallow, but it's definitely noteworthy when we talk about what happened. And there was a couple times, a couple times where he would say stop 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 like they passed out get him out 
there was a couple times that did happen <clears throat> and there was a many many times where songs would stop he would stop singing and the songs would stop immediately but it would he would go into like humming and it was like you know he has the auto tune in his mic so it was just like travis scott humming and everyone i remember this vividly because i remember my body swaying swaying to his humming and i think no he didn't say stop 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 they passed out blah blah blah, blah. but you see those videos where he's humming and he's looking at those people who are getting taken out of the crowd and so many people are taking it out of context it's like he didn't even stop the show he did da, 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 da. most of those times i would assume i have no idea but i was i would assume that he the times where he didn't say stop 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 they passed out it was already being handled. But he needed everyone to stop jumping up and down. To stop mosh pitting. To stop raging for five seconds. And maybe sway. So I think that has been taken completely out of context. That's one of those... Some of these things, some of the things that are surfacing completely pissed me the fuck off. And that's why I come from such... When I filmed... When I recorded this before... It came from such a defensive point of view because some of these allegations pissed me the fuck off. Someone said Travis Scott did this on purpose. Do y'all not see the satanic writings on the wall? Fuck off. It, it irks me because he's like typecast as this satanist who doesn't care about his fans. And I can tell you one thing, Travis Scott will never be the same after this. The same way those families will never be the same. Travis Scott will not, will always have this attached to his name and he will always carry a huge amount of guilt and grief. Whether y'all believe it or not, that's what I believe. I don't think this was some satanist meet up and that everyone in the crowd knew what was going on and just continued to fucking rage i didn't know a damn thing i didn't know a damn thing and it's hard it's hard because like i looked at this hole this gaping hole in the crowd where uh, three people are receiving CPR all at once. And I'm thinking, it's far enough back from the stage where the video you can barely see Travis, but I'm thinking, how does he not see that gaping hole in the crowd? Right? How does he how does he not see what's going on? And then I also think, well, that's how Mosh Pit starts. I know, because I would just get pushed out of the way, and I'd be like, what the fuck is going on? You see this huge gaping hole. And then I also thought, well... If there was something really going on, was there no way that anyone could get in contact with Travis? There was, was there just zero way? Did he not have some sort of headphone in to where people could talk to him? Was there literally... Was everyone trying to tell him to stop the show and he was just genuinely saying no? Did someone tell him the severity of the situation and he genuinely just hummed instead? 
You genuinely think that? People genuinely think that. I think Travis is at fault in a lot of ways. But he is not solely at fault. Not in any regard. Not in any regard. I don't think this was a satanist meetup and see you on the other side was planned. It definitely didn't age well. And like the phoenix, like the fire bird at the beginning was just like the stage was an up down is an upside down cross and all this fucking bullshit. I'm like the way you walk through his mouth at the beginning, like the it's all these just conspiracy theorists. And don't get me wrong, I love a good conspiracy, but I was there, and I don't think any of it's true. Maybe that's just me. I don't know confirmation bias. I don't. I don't really know what I'd call that. I just don't think it's true. I my girlfriend's dad asked her. Oh my god, you were there. Why didn't you help? Because you hear 300 injured. Or more. 300 treated. And that sounds like a fat-ass number. That is a fat-ass number. And you think that everyone around you was just... Just... Hurt. Injured. Screaming. And that's just not the case when there's 50,000 plus people. That's just not the case. Even in a, if a whole group in the back left corner, I saw a video of people in front of the back cameras, the back screens. They were barely in front of them, but they were in front of them, screaming, stop the show. And to them, it sounds loud. But it gets washed out. And it's sad, and it sucks, and it could have been prevented it could have been prevented and like let's talk about the police there who eventually knew what was going on caught on to the fact that people were actually dying and said well we didn't want to get up there and stop the show because we thought we would be insinuating a riot and then more people would get hurt and they have a point But they admit that they could have done something that they knew and they didn't stop it. It's like, it's Travis's festival. It's Travis's name. He was performing. And it's also his brand. He likes to rage. He likes his fans to rage. He encourages it. He literally, I don't know if you watched the documentary, gets arrested for shit like insinuating a riot and all this other... He's known for this. And I don't think that's inherently wrong. All I believe is that if you... If you encourage people to bum rush, if you encourage people to sneak in, if you encourage mosh pits and just rage then I think you have to be prepared you have to be over prepared for what that insinuates I think you have to test a stage I don't know what goes into testing a stage but I think you should do it 
I think you should have had a, a way bigger place than the Synergy Stadium back where there was trees and bushes and food courts behind us and the fence and it looks huge from this helicopter view that we all get but when you're down there it feels so fucking small it feels so small when there's that many people I felt so trapped I'm telling you getting out of that stage was crazy because everyone left at once and I'm not it was it was it was bad we tried to stop in the middle of it. We could. We had to keep going. There was none of that. I remember when we were walking out, I saw this. I mean, people have posted it now, and it's horrific that they post shit like that. But I saw that ambulance that was driving through the crowd. He, I remember hearing just yelling, loud yelling. And I was like, what the hell is going on? look over and I'm not even kidding you we stop the crowd like separates and right in front of us is this golf cart this ambulance golf cart they're doing CPR as they're driving it was it was the most I mean I, it's ingrained in my brain but you never think that tragedy actually ensues right you never I I never in that moment thought like they won't be okay you hear 300 treated and so many more injured and I remember throughout the whole time that I was there which was only for three sets I saw so many people get taken in wheelchairs for various reasons that I'll never know and it sounds like when you hear 300 injured, it was at that one stage. And there could have been hundreds. But it was also over the course of that whole day. And it just, there's so many factors to take into. And I just, from my perspective, A to Z, it went wrong. There is not, there is no one person to blame. I think it shouldn't have been held at Synergy. I think the stage and whatever that fucking event, um, whatever they're called, I don't even know. I should mention them because they are just as in fault. Not having enough staff, not having enough fucking supplies for the medics, not testing the stage, not designing the stage correctly, not you know, ensuring that security is safe, like that person, that the security guard that got stabbed or something with a fucking needle and injected. I mean, that's fucking insane. I don't know how you prevent shit like that, but I think what Travis should have done is understand that if he encourages this type of behavior, that's okay. That's okay. I mean, I went. I have nothing against raging. <laughs> like, I... I don't, um, but I think that if you encourage behavior like that, you have to be so overly prepared for literally everything to go wrong, because it probably will, and I don't think they did that, 
There was only one free water station. I think that's irresponsible. There, I mean, I think so many, from A to fucking Z. From A to Z, shit went wrong. It is not just Travis. It is not just the stage designer. It is not just security. It is not just the event staff or the fucking... I need to look up who the event people are, who, you know, whatever. My opinion is it's everyone. It's the inhumane people who were literally dancing on the ambulance. It's it's those fuckheads. They should be accountable. It's the police who decided for their own good they weren't going to get on the stage and cut the show. They didn't even have to get on the stage. They could have done that completely behind the scenes. They chose to not do it either. For their own for their own sake. It is literally from A to Z. And it's devastating. And it's hard and it's heavy and I thought I should let you know how my experience was. I vividly remember waking up and having two texts. It was like 7 in the morning from my friends. And they were like, text me when you get this. Like, are you okay? What the fuck? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. What's up? I had no fucking clue. I had no clue. And they're like, we heard day two's canceled because people died. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? My first priority is like, why is day two canceled in this selfish, animalistic way? And then I thought, wait, what? People died? People died yesterday? So I get on Twitter. And sure enough, trending eight. It's hard. It's hard. And we walk down wearily to get the hotel breakfast and to sit and talk about it. And I remember walking into that fucking lobby and the news is the news is on. Because why wouldn't it be? And what do you think they're talking about down in Houston, Texas the next morning? It was heavy. And we're like slowly getting breakfast and I'm just breathing in the fact that I'm there the fact that I'm alive and I remember this guy who I mean we all still had our wristbands on he he looked at me and he said I'm glad you're alive I said I'm glad you're alive too like that air was dense and it was quiet and it's still hard. Like, I look at the pictures from before of me at his face and at the World entrance, and I'm like, we had no idea. We had no idea. And then all the way until Travis Scott's performance in all my videos, and I still have no idea it's heavy and it's hard and I feel bad 
for those videos, right? I I look at those videos, I watch them back, and I'm like, how are you having such a good time? And then I'm like, you had no fucking idea. So yes, I think my opinion is, it is not just Travis Scott whose fault this is. It is his name attached to it. It was him performing. But it is A to Z. Everyone involved, everyone in charge in any fucking way is at fault here. And Travis Scott, I guarantee you, will never be the same after this. Who knows? I don't think there will ever be an astral world again. To be my opinion, as I, I don't think there will be. And if there is, it will be a very long time from now. And there will be major adjustments made that should have been made this time. There will be so many precautions and shit will be taken, shit, shit will be taken so seriously. And I think Travis is going to be under a rock for a really long time. And I think right now we need to see the difference between accountability culture and cancel culture. I think when there's lives involved, it's so hard because that's so precious and that is literally irreplaceable. That is irreplaceable. Those eight people are irreplaceable. And it is a heavy, heavy thing. But I think so many people are at fault. And not everyone knew. I think the, hard, the the reality is the people who knew didn't do anything. And there were so many people who just didn't know. And honestly, I think Travis is one of those people. I think he knew people were passing out. I think he knew, I mean, obviously. I think he, knew, I think he saw ambulances coming in and out of the crowd but I genuinely don't think if he knew the severity of the situation he would have just not stopped the show the fact that he did go to an after party after does raise an eyebrow for me and I highly I just I don't know what to think about that I don't know what to make of that situation but I don't think he's a satanist and I don't think he did it on purpose and I think everyone is at fault so that's that's my take on it sorry like I said it is surreal to me that I was there it is still still something I'm juggling I it's like still a very heavy thing and all I can really think about is those people that aren't with us anymore and like how scary it must have been for them. And I just genuinely hope their families eventually find some peace in this. Eventually. That is my take on Astro World 2021. And I, um, yeah, I don't have much else to say. And I think I did a way better job of not sounding so defensive. 
because uh, I did nothing wrong. I think that was the big reason why I was so defensive, because I was like, I was there, but, 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 but. Um, this is my truth, and it is what it is. I, I don't mean in any way to be tone deaf or insensitive if this in any way comes across like that. I just... I think with all these videos surfacing and all these allegations and all these all the finger pointing I think it definitely the fact that I knew nothing is an important part of this story like the fact that I did not know until the next morning is a very important part of this story so I figured I would give my point of view my perspective and my experience that night from that night and um yeah, I. That's all I really have for you today. I think you should definitely spend some time reflecting. How is your mind the master of you? And how are you the servant to your mind? And how do we switch those roles? And how, what does that look like for you? In what moments in your life do you see that most prevalent? And, you know, that kind of thing. I would sit and think about it. And bring yourself back to your five senses. And let's live the, the best we can. And let's live with our feet planted instead of our heads heavy. And, um, and I can't say it enough. The, the biggest thing to focus on is how we can never let this happen again. And sending our utmost, our most vibrant, our most thoughtful prayers to everyone involved with those eight people. Everyone they loved, everyone they cared for, anyone in their life. Sending so much light to them. Because this is dark, so... Thank you for listening to me. This is all that I have for you today. Very heavy, but very hopeful episode at the same time. I hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Leave a review if you're on Apple Podcast. And yeah, come back next week. See y'all later.